Good evening, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mack. Today, today's podcast is brought to you by MyPillow, a great pillow company. Um, and we, we're also sponsored, we're also, this podcast is also, um, dedicated to my beloved grandfather, who, who, uh, passed away recently. In today's podcast, we're going to be speaking about Israel, um, what is going on, and also today's podcast, we're also going to be speaking about different stuff going on around the globe. We're also live on Facebook, hang on, gotta plug in you guys, um, we're also going to be, uh, a few times are we... Um, this is our once in a while we're gonna be on Facebook live doing our um live feed. But let's get back to our intro. Um in today's podcast we got emails, videos, and talking about what's going on in Israel. And then we're gonna be speaking about our candidates, what is on the primary uh for the upcoming election. Um, and what is in hand for that. So, coming up on the R.E. Mac Network's R. American Freedom Podcast, this is your host, R.E. Mac. Companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped my Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota. One now. Better than a great night's sleep. Sleep is one of the most important things to your health, and MyPillow is one of the most important things to your sleep. Call or go to MyPillow.com now, and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Ari Mack. Today, um, we are talking about a lot of things. Um, we, we, uh, we are going to be speaking about Sarah Palin, one of the greatest... Uh, people that are running for Congress. Um, I mean, is she running for Congress? Let me just um, check if she either is Congress or governor. Actually, governor. Um, we need, by the way, let me just tell you exactly why we need more of these kind of people. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. But let's go to our... Um, our great emails. First, let's go to Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace breaks silence on why he left Fox News, the New York Times ad, New York Times article. 
He says, Chris Wallace, no one, let me just tell you that the last time I watched Chris Wallace, really, I haven't watched him, but he is silenced. He's silenced. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what Chris Wallace is doing on Fox, on his own show. Now everyone is is um telling everyone about Chris Wallace that he's um is he's um currently um on on uh, Fox. Um, when he was on Fox, he was more leaning. He was leaning. He was always leaning to the left, but um, he is a lefty guy. Chris Wallace is bad, bad dude. Let's go to the next one. Everyone is speaking about this one. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now, if she loses, this loses, is he can't. This is Chris Rock. Talking about um, Will Smith's win. <laughs> he is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. Now, does Will Smith have the rights to smack um Chris Rock? It's a very controversial thing, and I would like to hear your guys' opinions about this whole controversy. Um, we're live on Facebook. Facebook fans, I would like to hear your thoughts about this whole controversy about Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. In my opinion, no one is allowed to smack anyone. Whether if they like the joke or not. And that's my opinion. But. Will Smith has anger management problems. And we know that. And. um, And. He. I think that. Chris Rock. Started the whole stupid. Um, thing. He earned it. I think he earned it. Because 
Um, that's my opinion. He earned it. All right, so let's go to New Jersey. Um, our New Jersey weekly stuff. Let me just tell you something about New Jersey. New Jersey is the highest taxed state in the entire United States, by the way. That's that's um for this week. That's the highest tax in the entire United States. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Fox News host says gets word from Hunter Biden will be indicted, but President will President Bi- President Biden will pardon him. Listen to this. Let's give us a minute. Jesse Waters. We actually have Jesse Waters, so we're not going to play it um, about that. Next one. Our videos are not working today. Just whatever. All right, let's go to Israel. Meanwhile, Netanyahu sent a message regarding what's going on in Iran. We have to listen to this man. Because Netanyahu knows what's going on in Iran. He knows it. Listen to this. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you, Rafi. Today, realities include dealing with terrorism. It's as simple as it's that. Two major attacks in major city in the center of Israel remind us that it is a national challenge. Thank you, Prime Minister Netanyahu, for um, joining us. Thank you, Isaiah. I'm going to give you first the, the good news, and then I'll give you the bad news. The, the good news is that Israel is stronger than ever. Big program of uh, free markets as... Uh, combined uh, our innate technology which we have through our military intelligence so Israel is very strong economically because of free markets and the bad thing is Iran the nuclear agreement with Iran when we have something that threatened the survival of Israel, the future of Israel I found it my duty to speak out we have to stand up to Iran we have to prevent Iran in nuclear weapons Iran says openly that they want to destroy us uh, by the way, it calls us the small Satan, the little Satan, you're the big Satan. But for Iran, Iran, when it develops uh, nuclear weapons and the means to deliver them, they can uh, smash all these uh, regimes, all these countries and governments in the Middle East. 
uh, and take them over, which it plans to do. So obviously, if Iran has nuclear weapons, it's very bad news for basically for everyone. It's very bad news for Israel, clearly, but it's also bad news for America. Iran will become a threshold nuclear state in three years. This is what this agreement does. It makes it doesn't stop Iran from developing nuclear weapons. It paves its way to do so with an international uh, seal of approval. And Iran is developing a capacity to have ballistic missiles, long-range ballistic missiles that can reach not only the heart of Europe, they don't need it to reach us, they need it to reach you and every part of the United States eventually. To actually bring to America the greatest terror of all, the terror of nuclear weapons. This is not a world that we can afford. It is a real and present danger, not only to the Gulf states, not only to Israel, not only to our entire region, to you directly at home. There is no other way to stop, not an agreement, not an illusory uh, agreement that is fake. Everybody knows, you know, the guys are doing it. I don't think they're stupid, but I just think they're not being honest. They're not in the business of prevention. They're in the business of containment. And they're making a historic mistake, a mistake of monumental proportions. You do not contain an Islamist bomb. You prevent it. They're worth nothing. What is worth something is strength and resistance. And that's the only thing that will work. The only thing that will work. Everything else is guaranteed to fail. And since you are responsible leaders, um, I think the one thing you should do is stand up against it and tell the truth about Israel about Iran, about what's good not only for, for your allies, but what's vital for you, vital for America. I want to thank you for your support uh, over the years, and I hope to see you soon in Israel. And if not, I'll come and see you. Thank you. So thank you, Prime Minister Netanyahu, and thank you, our... Next, let's hear from Matt Gates. Says, so where is Hunter Biden's laptop? Listen to this. So where is it? The laptop. Sir, I'm not here to talk about the laptop. I'm here to talk about the FBI cyber program. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. Is, has, has FBI cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability, allowing America's enemies to hurt our country? Sir... The FBI cyber program is based off of what's codified in Title 18, or um, Title 18, Section 1030, a code which talks about computer intrusions, right, using nefarious intent. Network well, you've talked about passwords here. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter 02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI, and what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. How
how are Americans supposed to trust that you can protect us from the next colonial pipeline if it seems that you can't locate a laptop that was given to you three years ago from the first family, potentially creating vulnerabilities for our country? Sir, it's, it's not in the purview of my investigative responsibilities. But, but that is shocking that, that you wouldn't, as the assistant director of cyber, know whether or not there are international business deals, kickbacks, shakedowns that are on this laptop that would make the first family suspect to, to some sort of compromise. Mr. Assistant Director, have you assessed whether or not the first family is compromised as a result of the Hunter Biden laptop? Sir, as a representative of the FBI cyber program, it is not in the realm of my responsibilities to deal with the questions that you're asking me. Ha has anyone at FBI cyber been asked to make assessments whether or not the laptop creates a point of vulnerability? Sir, we have multiple lines of investigative responsibility in the FBI. They're all available in public source. Well, I would think you'd know this one. I mean, I would think that if the president's son, who does international business deals, referencing the now president with the Chinese, with Ukrainian. Doesn't he sound so good? Matt Gates is a great guy. I mean, have you assessed whether or not the Hunter Biden laptop gives Russia the ability to harm our country? Sir, again, we can do this back and forth for the next couple of minutes. I don't have any information about the Hunter Biden laptop or the investigation. Should you? I mean, you're the assistant director of FBI Cyber. By, my, by the block and line chart? No, sir, I should not. Who should, who should we put in that chair to ask questions about this laptop that FBI has had for three years? Sir, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in a position to... Make a recommendation who should say So you don't have it. You don't know who has it. You don't know where it is. You're the assistant director. You know, earlier you talked about whether or not you were the Grant Hill or the Christian Leitner. It sounds like you're the Chris Weber trying to call a timeout when you don't have one. So I mean, who is it? Do you even know who has it? Do you know who we should put in that chair to ask these questions to? No, sir. I don't know who has it. Well, it, could you find out and tell us? You're going to have to give us briefings, thanks to Mr. Liu and Mr. Massey's question, about whether or not the FBI was taking a $5 million test drive on the Pegasus system that was being used to target people in politics, people in government, people in the media, people in American life. So will you commit to give us a briefing as the assistant director of FBI Cyber as to where the laptop is, whether or not it's a point of vulnerability, whether or not the American people should wonder whether or not the first family is compromised? Sir, I'd be happy to take your request back to our office. Gosh, I mean, will you advocate for that briefing? As in, you, you will? I will be happy to take your request back to FBI headquarters. Well, will you, do you believe that that is a briefing that the Congress is, is worthy of having, I guess? Sir, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. Right? I'm here to talk. He's willing to say a briefing, but not allowing... Congress. Okay, the, invitation, sir, the invitation says oversight of the FBI's cyber division. It does not say anything. Well, well about right, but I mean, this is this is a cyber asset. This it's is a, a point of vulnerability. Asset. If there are passwords, if there are business deals, if there are references to things that could harm our country, like you can't even sit here right now and say that you know that there's not a point of vulnerability. Maybe there are other crimes. Maybe there are tax issues or whatever. But as it relates to our, I mean, it, is the first family sufficient cyber infrastructure to protect? You don't even know if they're compromised. Tell you what, Mr. Chairman. 
we don't know where is Hunter Biden's laptop. Remember last year, <clears throat> remember the previous times we were saying um, the laptop from hell, laptop and this and that. All this is real. It's real, folks. Trump was right for the second time, buddy. And it's right, folks. And it's and it's crazy. Damn. Meanwhile, we got news about um Wisconsin. They find 135,000, 137,500 ballots unlawfully trafficked in Wisconsin. Unlawful vote trafficking throughout the several of Wisconsin's largest cities in the 2020 election, according to research presented last week. Assembly Committee on Campaigns and, e and the Election by public interest organization, True Vote. Why the hell they're looking in it now? Why are they looking at these elections now? How come, how come they're, um, how come they didn't look at it before? That's my question, folks. We don't, we don't, um, we, we need to get everyone. We need to get this everything settled. Election integrity. Biden's laptop from hell. We need to get that stuff in now. Now we have a video of a never-Trumper. Um, who is this guy? Who's running against Elise Stefanik. Talk about this person. This person is run walking somewhere. I don't know what they're doing. Writing some papers. It looks like, um, some stuff. Not sure exactly what they're doing. Maybe fraudulent stuff? Not sure.
I don't know. Lonnie something? I don't know. Oh, he's signing illegally f um signatures, petitions for in a parking lot to run against Elise Stefanik. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. So, yeah. You don't you don't do that. I'm I don't do that. I I do um the right stuff. Well, people, it's crazy. All right. Passover's coming and uh you go to aisle 1. Their schedule is posted um on their website aisle1kosher.com. They're open on Sunday through um Saturday. They're open actually 9:30 to 12 this coming Saturday. Um Sunday they're open 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday 7 a.m. till 10:25 on Tuesday, Wednesday 7 till 11 and Thursday 7 till 12 a.m. and Friday 7 till 5:40. And then next week, Sunday, 8 till 12. Next week, Monday, 7 till 12. And the rest of that week is 7 till 12. And then Friday, 7 till 5.45. Um, Holomoid schedule, 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, and then Wednesday, 8 till 11. And then Friday... They're not open. Thursday, they're open 8 till 5.50. What? Um, and then Sunday. Yeah. Makes sense. Whatever. Alright, so... Jen Psaki says that she's going to be leaving the White House very soon. Um, we got word that if I were sinking a ship, I would get the hell out of there soon. Well, this person said she could be leaving soon. And who could be this press secretary? We don't know, folks. I'd rather... Her to get the hell out of there soon. So listen to this. Remember this. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. Following your convictions means you must be willing to face criticism from those who lack the same courage 
to do what is right, and they know what is right, but they don't have the courage or the guts or the stamina to take it and to do it. It's called the road less traveled. of history. What will future Americans say we did in our brief time right here on Earth? That's amazing. That's amazing. Someone sent that on an email to us. It's wonderful. Thank you, whoever did that. Um, that's a great video. The, whoever put that together. It's nice. All right. Meanwhile, Biden talks about the Middle East, Arab area. Let's listen in to this. Can we get it? Yeah, when we... Um, where is the video? Here we go. Lindsey Graham says that it's uh, it's irresponsible when Biden says that it's, uh, it's not. Look, I have a slightly different take than a lot of people do on this. I think that the walk back of Biden's comment is much worse than the comment itself because it made first it made Biden look incompetent and second of all it made America look weak uh, the idea that he was what he really meant to say was that Putin shouldn't be allowed to exercise power over the region come on everybody knows that's not what he said they heard the plain words of the president what they if they needed to clarify that we weren't advocating Biden is very weak so yeah made America look weak of course of course folks All right, next. Will Smith's Oscars. Um, let's see. People are saying it was staged. It was. Um, people are saying it was staged. And I 
promise. It's not. think it's fake. 51% thinks it's real. So, people say it's real. All right, let's speak about the NFL. NFL. What a terrible organization they are. Every NFL team is now required to hire minority offense assistant coach to hire can be a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority for the 2022 season ESPN reported. NFL owners made a move on Monday during the annual Florida meeting, and it's part of the legal league diversity efforts, the sports network says. Each coach will receive a one-year contract and work closely with the head coach. And offense um, staff to gain experience, Sports, Sports Illustrated said, citing the statement, Obtained by U.S. United Press International. Teams will be reimbursed for their, their minority coaching hires through uh, a league-wide fund that will contribute toward salaries for up to two years. The magazine added. Long-term goal is increasing minorities among the pool offenses, offense coaches, as they end up being most sought after head coaching candidates. ESPN said, adding that current offense assistant coaches will count for their teams. The program in its a recognition um, at the moment when you look stepping at when looking at a stepping stone. Basically they're saying. That. ESPN is. Going ridiculous. Now. With their woke stuff. Put NFL on the woke block please. Let's speak about Dr. Oz. How he did not write. Gun control columns. Disagreeing. Dr. Oz, liberal celebrity doctor running for is a Republican 
U.S. Senate for in Pennsylvania under fire for his prior support for gun control. In a serious column, he now pub- publicized. He claims he did not write himself. The columns, um, which Dr. Oz authored with the Cleveland Clinic Clinics, Dr. Michael Rosin, show years, years, a long, long advocacy for gun control. The columns um, that Dr. Oz byline on pushed extreme left-wing views. Restricting the Second Amendment, one in 2017, said it was scary um, that as many as 3 million Americans have loaded guns they carry every day. Also promoting Centers for Disease Control and Democratic Talking Points having waiting periods for guns. Purchases save lives about 1700 Every year. So Oz. Is. Shouldn't be. In the Senate. Folks. Just a puppet show. Right now. And that's our um all right let's speak about our um videos we have a lot um Michael K spoke about Will Smith's reaction here's Michael K you know what one slap from an actor to a comedian and the whole world was on edge. Yeah. Dear God, dear try it. It was so fabulous to drop you. <laughs> Don's spoken all of these words before, but right. you know what? Don has such uh, resistance to his um, impulses that he's able to hold back something that Will right. Smith couldn't. See, that's the thing, is that I can appreciate what Will Smith did because I've always thought about doing that, but right. I've never done it. <laughs> Because you're a human being. Because you got to be able to restrain yourself. You, you have to be able to control yourself. And that, that's and that's the thing is there's so many different. This is like you can really diagram this like a play. There's just so many angles that you can come at this. Like who's right? Is Chris Rock right? Is Will Smith right? Was the reaction right? Uh, I don't think anybody has a problem with Will Smith being upset with Chris Rock. Can we agree on that? Nobody likes to be picked uh, on. Okay, but do we open the door? I mean, I guess Don Rickles would have been killed at least a hundred times a a show. But I'm sure Don Rickles, you don't think that there's a possibility that in the 50 years Don Rickles was insulting people, there might have been someone that maybe just didn't appreciate it, but just kind of laughed through it anyway? But he did. But Will Smith is on national television. Right, that's right. And he could not stop him. First of all, that's the problem. It's terrible what Jada Smith is going through. With alopecia, I'm sure it's not fun. It was Chris Rock is a brilliant comedian. That was a bad joke, but 
I mean, it wasn't it wasn't so offensive. No. I mean, if Will Smith had just stood there and looked at him and flipped him off, that's it. It would have been funny. Well, that, even if he had shouted, right. that, "Keep my my well, wife's name out of your mouth," that would have been funny. But to go up there, he assaulted him. Well, that's my point. If you found out there was an altercation at the after party, if he shouted something back at him, so all right. We could agree to disagree, but there, you know, there are going to be people that not everybody takes it in stride. Some people, and there's obviously something going on there that set Will off. But don't sit there and react the way that you did, which was wrong, and then try to play off the hero when you win the Academy Award. And also the phonies in Hollywood, he, they gave him a standing ovation. Yeah, stop it. Stop what he yourself. Did was, the guy, the guy actually could have been thrown out of the... Uh, the right. um, the well, the police got involved. Chris Rock didn't want to press charges. If Chris but, Rock but, wanted to press charges, then but why, there would have why, been a situation. why should it matter if Chris Rock wanted to press charges on national television? He assaulted him. No, he I, got assaulted. I, I, I agree. But I'm just saying that there was involvement with the police in which they asked him if he wanted to press charges, and he said no, so I guess it's all dropped. But the point I thought, is I that feel you sorry cannot defend Rock. the reaction. You can side with Will Smith. You can be upset with Chris Rock, but you can't defend the action. That's no way to conduct yourself as, as, as somebody with that kind of an audience, that kind of standing. That's not the way that you react. You now, don't Peter, do that. Peter, there's one thing. I, I wonder if you've thought about this. I would actually pay $10,000 if you look at the tape. I've broken it down like this is a brutal film. If you look at the tape, after Will Smith slaps him, right? Yeah. Which, by the way... Couldn't have been that great of a slap. Chris Rock must have an amazing chin. Didn't even like stagger. Then he, Will Smith is walking back to his seat. Mm -hmm. And at the 28-second mark of the video that's out on social media, Chris Rock is about to come back with something. And he stops himself. He edits himself in real time because he doesn't want to escalate the... the I'd pay Chris Rock $10,000 to, to find out what the joke was in his head. What was he going to come back at him with? Check it out. Check out the video at the 28-second mark. Yeah. He's about to say something, and he holds back. What well, was he going to say? It, that is an interesting. I did not notice that. I have to go back and watch. I am seeing here in the New York Post, though, that uh, Diddy confirmed that Will Smith and Chris Rock made amends last night after the Oscars. Well, then I, you know what, I'd have to tell Chris Rock why. Maybe he's just... You know, because Will Smith is Hollywood royalty, and, and uh, how does it behoove Chris Rock to continue this? But I wouldn't have forgiven him. If I well, saw him at the well, party, I'd punch well, him in the face. Uh, well, we know you wouldn't forgive anyone, Michael, but uh, there's a if, if, if Will comes up to him afterward and goes, dude, I totally lost it there. I am so sorry. What's Chris going to do? I mean, except say, okay. He's gonna say, well, how, does it be, how does it behoove Chris Rock to continue to be angry about it? Honestly, Chris Rock's just going to make more money from this. This isn't going to hurt Chris Rock. I don't know. I think Chris Rock's going to become a meme because of this. That's uh, never going to well, be forgotten. Well, what well, it's really going to hurt Chris Rock and every comedian is stand-up comedy died last night. That was the death knell of the stand-up comedy that we grew up with. It's now over. Because you, know, you heard Kath, you saw Kathy Griffin tweet, so what's going to happen now? If I go to a club and I insult somebody, that that's going to, who's going to be the next Will Smith that's going to want to jump on stage and punch a comedian for making fun of their tie or maybe going political that's anti what they believe in? Like, so, you know, we're already a bunch of sensitive people to begin with anyway. You know, you, you see Damon Lillard uh, uh, defend Will Smith because you've got athletes now who are like, yeah, for every fan that booed me, for every fan that heckled me from the stands. There's that feeling of that there's some sort of sense of entitlement that 
it's oh, we've grew up as a society for years that the rich and the famous get picked on. Johnny Carson made an entire career out of it. Don Rickles made a career out of it. Almost every stand-up comedian made a career out of it. And now, and the Oscars has always been to me, guys, kind of a mini roast. Where yep. everybody that's there on their high horse and their great dresses kind of get dressed down by whoever the host was. And that's kind of the, the rules of engagement, right? You're rich, you're famous, and this is the three hours in which we kind of poke fun at you. If that's taken away from comedians, then good luck anybody is ever going to want to be a stand-up comedian again. Because that's the essence of comedy. Have you ever heard, I mean, when the Golden Globes were still a thing, the stuff that Ricky Gervais oh. said about celebrities in the audience i mean now is it open great stuff from michael k and i agree jesus that stand-up comedy generally they make fun and it's crazy i generally hate stand-up comedy when they make fun it's ridiculous all right let's go to <clears throat> Uh, this. Star Wars the Skywalker Saga. The terrorists to make us. Afraid to meet and to build a relationships and the agreements between us. They will not succeed. Last night, all the foreign ministers participating in the summit condemned with one strong voice the horrific terror attack on behalf of the people of Israel. I thank you for this. Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid opening a joint press conference on Monday at the historic Negev summit in Sdebokel by addressing the terrorist attack in Hadera and joined by the foreign ministers of the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Egypt and Morocco together with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, which conveyed to discuss issues in the region, primarily Iran, and announced this would become an annual regional forum. I would like to start by condemning the terrorist attack which took place last night. I would like to start by reiterating Morocco's strong condemnation of the terrorist attacks of yesterday in Hadera. The foreign ministers of Egypt, Bahrain and Morocco, as well as Secretary Blinken, also taking the opportunity to address the Israeli-Palestinian issue in their statements, calling on resuming negotiations towards a peaceful solution. We have to be clear that these regional peace agreements are not a substitute for progress between Palestinians and Israelis, uh, one of the issues we discussed today. Yet, the theme at the press conference remained unity and regional collaboration in the face of the looming Iranian threat. By us standing together, it's by our people-to-people -people relationship. It's by creating a better environment for our businesses to work with each other. That's the way we can go after the narrative of hate, of incitement, of terror, we will prevail, no doubt. Uh, it's going to cost us, uh, but it matters. ILTV.
Meanwhile, listen to this. Did you see it? Were you watching the Oscars? Probably not. I was not. I woke up this morning and I saw the headlines. Then you can't miss this thing. We'll get to Biden. We'll get to Ukraine. Uh, the mess he created, by the way, continues to create. But first this, because this is a big moment culturally, and it reveals a lot, I think, about what's wrong right now with America. Uh, but again, Will Smith hit Chris Rock. <laughs> Wow is right. What happened here? Now, look, 1.5% of me thinks this might be a setup, a hoax that they're both in on. We'll get back to that. That's uh, Greg Kelly. You can listen to him. All right. Meanwhile, listen to this. We will continue to recognize that in the state of Florida... Parents have a fundamental role in the education, health care, and well-being of their children. We will not move from that. I don't care what corporate media outlets say. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Here I stand. I'm not backing down. So, so that's what it's about. It's about protecting parents' ability to be involved, and it's making sure... That was the... um. Listen to this, what he says. I also just want to say one thing um, uh, in relation to, to some of the, uh, some, one of the things I, I saw yesterday. You know, we signed the, the Parents' Rights and Education Bill. It's interesting when, like, a Disney-owned ABC would put that out on tweet. They'd say, Governor DeSantis signs bill to prohibit uh, instruction in sexual identity and gender identity in some grades. Some grades. Why would they say some grades instead of K through three? It's just amazing if you're trying to inform the. So you saw a lot of this. But then for Disney to come out and put a statement and say that the bill should have never passed and that they are going to actively work to repeal it. I think one was fundamentally dishonest. But two, I think that crossed the line. This state is governed by the interests of the people of the state of Florida. It is not based on the demands of California corporate executives. They do not run this state. They do not control this state. I also thought it was interesting. I talked to the Speaker of the House yesterday afternoon, and he said Disney never called him while they were putting this through the House. They didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was going through. If this was such an affront, why weren't they speaking up at the outset? And yet they won't. And then for them to say they're going to actively work to repeal substantive protections for parents as a company that is supposedly marketing its services to parents with young children, uh, I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discussed the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. Play through all nine. supports stripping Disney of its special status, which allows it to operate as an independent government around its theme park. 
Disney has had the status for 55 years, but it's coming under fire by the governor after the Walt Disney Company announced its goal to repeal the recent controversial parental rights and education bill, widely known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. It was just signed into law by the governor on Monday. My view is, is you know, we should just treat everybody equally. Uh, we shouldn't let one company have... Now the battle is growing between Governor DeSantis and Disney. They're sparring over the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill, which Disney says should never have been passed and should now be repealed. Our senior political reporter, Michael Putney, is here with the latest. It's ridiculous how people take this as a political game. Just be with it. Meanwhile, school board member verbally attacks a parent. Listen to this. Did you have a question? Is he in charge? Okay. So are you what in was... charge? No. I'm Tom, speaking. Are you in charge? Are you said at the beginning of the minute. Are you in you charge? Would not be rude to do Enough. Are you in charge? Mr. Tubb. Mr. Tubb. We should remove him. I mean, this we, is, we, this we, is Mr. rude. Mr. Did, we'll start you two minutes now, sir. I'm... <sighs> This is not what you promised. You said if they don't wear a mask, they can't speak. I have a mask. I can wear the mask on my head if you want. I mean, it's just... You can wear your mask on your fucking balls. Okay, enough, enough. We're going to take recess for five minutes. Please. We'll take, Get we'll take the five minutes. Get out of the room if you can't put his fucking mask on. Mr. Tug, please. I'll call it back. Recess in five minutes. We'll take a recess for five minutes right now. How ridiculous is that? They hate people like this. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Joe Biden announced he was running for president again in April of 2019. It was Biden's third or fourth attempt at the office, depending how you count. So at that moment, most Americans thought they knew who Joe Biden was. After 50 years in office, they were familiar with his face. But it turns out they weren't familiar with his new face. Two months later, Biden appeared on stage in Miami for the first Democratic primary debate, and he was hard to recognize, even for people who had known him. Extensive plastic surgery made him look like a different person. But most jarring was the fact that he did not sound like the old Joe Biden. You probably remembered Biden as blustery and jovial, Irish charm by the bucket load. He was famous for that. And yet on stage, Biden came off as remote and muted. He seemed to be at times afraid to speak for fear of tripping over words or forgetting them. Several times the camera caught him just staring out into the middle's distance. He was apparently absorbed in memory. When Biden did manage to focus his attention, he seemed highly annoyed. Whatever the cause, Democratic primary voters were not impressed by his performance. Joe Biden's numbers dropped 10 points overnight. Now, the Biden campaign has never explained what exactly happened to Joe Biden that night in Miami, but whatever it was, it never got fixed. It continues. From that day until now, probably the most authentic feature of Joe Biden's public performances has been his anger. It seems to come over him in waves. Watch. Focus on this man, what he's doing, that no president has ever done. No president. No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Or are you a junkie? What do you say? I'm not out of time. You spoke over time and I'm going to talk. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. What's happening here? Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? 
Would, don't Who you said think that? that? You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Didn't you know what you said? Yes. Get your words straight, Jack. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Cooper's an amazing 13-year-old. You know exactly what that is. You've seen it in people around you, people you love. It has nothing to do with politics. What you just saw is a man who is losing the ability to regulate his emotions. Uncontrollable flashes of anger are common among people who are aging, particularly among men, and they often accompany senility. Losing it is a very frustrating experience, and your heart goes out to anyone who is. We have deep sympathy for anyone in that position, including Joe Biden. But Biden is the president of the United States, and this is the single most volatile moment in the recent history of our country. Biden is leading the U.S. toward war. And so it's fair to assess the effect on the rest of us of his mental and emotional conditions. Not simply about age. Biden is 79. Biden is clearly unable to speak with precision. And when you're president of the United States and the world hangs on your every word, when your words constitute American policy, when you can change American policy, particularly America's foreign policy, simply by saying so, it is essential that you speak the words you intend to speak, that you not get carried away because you're mad and say something you don't mean that might threaten the long-term interests of this country, threaten the families and the children of the rest of us and our future. But he is. That's exactly what he's doing. That's not a partisan attack. It's true. If you doubt that it's true, watch his performance just over the past week. On Thursday, for example, Joe Biden was asked how the United States would respond if the Russian government used chemical weapons in Ukraine. Now, that's a hypothetical question. Presidents at the podium often get those. Presidents rarely respond to hypothetical questions for a very simple reason. They don't know the circumstances ahead of time. So there's no reason to risk American prestige or to terrify the rest of the world by saying the wrong thing. So they don't. Biden had no obligation to answer that question. Very few presidents would have answered it, but Biden did answer it. And here's what he said. And to clarify on chemical weapons, could if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would, re it would trigger a response in kind, whether or not you're asking whether NATO would cross... We'd make that decision at the time. So he's closing his eyes trying to remember what the cue card says. What's our policy? And what he comes out with is, if Russia uses chemical weapons, the U.S. will respond in kind. If Russia uses new chemical weapons, the United States will use chemical weapons. So no American president has said anything like that in your lifetime. You grew up assuming the United States would never use chemical weapons because the United States is not a rogue state. In fact, our role globally is to suppress rogue states. They tell us that's what we're doing right now. And yet in a flash of peak, because he couldn't remember the correct words, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, reversed 100 years of American security policy in the middle of a war. This did not escape the attention of his own national security advisor, who instantly responded by restoring the status quo, or attempting to, quote, the United States has no intention of using chemical weapons, period, under any circumstances, said Jake Sullivan, flatly contradicting his boss. No one who works for the president wants to do that. 
Meanwhile, next. Back in Washington today, President Biden unveiled his 2023 budget, and while it was predictably packed with liberal wish list giveaways and enormous tax hikes, including a revival of Biden and Elizabeth Warren's pet project, the wealth tax, and the Bernie Biden manifesto, uh, which would actually tax unrealized capital gains. In other words, money that is like ghost money. You don't even have it also known as profits that haven't been made in reality. One thing Biden apparently didn't budget for was enough military aid to Ukraine. Now the Pentagon says it will have to request additional money in the future. Here with reaction, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, let's first get your take. Mr. President, let's speak about about Ukraine. I'd like to start with this. How, How do you believe this war ends. Only without victory, a victory of truth means victory of Ukraine and Ukrainians. The question is when it will end. That is a deep question. It's a painful question. Besides victory, the Ukrainian people will not accept any outcome. What are you willing to agree to to get a peace deal. For example, are you willing to trade any amount of Ukrainian territory to achieve achieve a peace deal with Russia? We do not trade our territory. So the, the question of territorial integrity and sovereignty is out of discussion. There are difficult questions regarding temporarily occupied territories. There are uh, principal... He spoke to... Fox News, you can watch it. Meanwhile, listen to this. Biden rattled our allies, set off a diplomatic nightmare, and threw the White House into full-on damage control mode, and he did it all in one fell swoop. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. So those remarks ended at 6.43 p.m. local time on Saturday. That was according to the White House transcript. He didn't say another word about Putin that night. But then some 40 minutes later, here was cleanup, a statement from an unnamed administration official that landed in the inboxes of reporters across the globe. The statement read the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. Mm. And then we didn't hear from the president directly again until Sunday when members of the press shouted at him as he left church. Mr. President, do you want Putin removed? Mr. President, were you calling for regime change? Then yesterday, he messed it up again. Believe what you said, that Putin can't remain in power. Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Did your words complicate matters? I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man. Just just brutality. I want to make it clear. I wasn't then nor am I now articulating a policy change. 
I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies for it. No apologies. Phil Wegman at Real Clear. Sounds crazy. This man's crazy. He is. All right, let's get to the next one. North Carolina Congressman Madison Cawthorn says fellow lawmakers invited him to an orgy and did cocaine in front of him. Cawthorn made those comments in an interview where he was asked if working in Washington is like the Netflix series House of Cards. He also said that he's seen people who lead anti-addiction efforts doing drugs. Earlier this month, Cawthorn found himself in another controversy over his comments where he called Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky a thug. Donald John. Orgies and cocaine. Those claims are drawing a lot of disbelief after North Carolina congressman made them. Sexual perversion that goes on in Washington. I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington, with the average age is probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people. But, so Madison Cawthorn uh, was speaking and he said those words. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. All right. Let's move on. On Trump, our nation's 45th and potentially 47th president is in such self-control that he just hit a hole-in-one while playing a round of golf. The reason this is a news story, well, it's impressive to hit a hole-in-one. But the reason it's a news story is not because Trump hit a hole-in-one. It's because of the statement that he issued. Trump... This is hilarious. Listen to this. ...issues a, a full press release. And these press releases read kind of like long tweets ever since he was kicked off Twitter. I, I want to read it in full. If you'll indulge me, I, I have to read you this statement by Trump in full. He says, many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It is 100% true. While playing with the legendary golfer Ernie Els, winner of four majors and approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, Gene Sowers, winner of the Senior U.S. Open, Ken Duke and Mike Goods, both excellent tour players, I made a hole in one. It took place at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind with approximately five feet of cut, whereupon it bounced twice and then went, italicized, clank into the hole. These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better. But on that one hole only, their swings weren't. Anyway, there's a lot of chatter about it. Quite exciting. And people everywhere seem to be asking for the facts. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's too good. Playing with that group of wonderful, talented players was a lot of fun. The match was Ernie and me with no strokes against Gene, Mike, and Ken. I won't tell you who won, <laughs> because I'm a very modest individual. And you, uh, you will then say I was bragging. And I don't like people who brag. Watch the video here. <laughs> and then it's a video of Trump's hole-in-one. Why do I read that? One, I read it because it's incredibly funny, and I miss him so much, and I just wish he were on Twitter, and all of our lives would be at least 40 in self-control. Yeah, drink. He barely sleeps. He, and what does Trump do? Does he, ah, ha, ha. He's always, he's crafting these jokes in a way that tells you it's cool. He's going to let it roll off him. He's, he's W-L-E-S to nine. So that's great. It's great. Trump um got a uh, home one. Wrote a statement. It's beautiful. It's funny. Mm, yeah. Meanwhile, next.
Chris Wallace speaking out for the first time about why he left Fox News after so many years. In this interview with the New York Times, Wallace said, quote, I'm fine with opinion, conservative, liberal opinion, but when people start to question the truth, like who won the 2020 election, was January 6th an insurrection, I found that unsustainable. Oliver Darcy back here with me now. Oliver Wallace is far from the only Fox figure to feel that way, but he's probably the highest profile one to say it. Definitely. We've seen uh, Jonah Goldberg and Steve Hayes. They also departed Fox over uh, some of the incendiary rhetoric around January 6th. But yeah, Chris Wallace is the highest profile person to uh, come out and really uh, go after Fox. And, you know, he says it was unsustainable and that he spent much of 2021 looking for another place right. to go. And so looking for CNN, a new job. Yeah. Yeah, CNN is now that solution. Right. So he's going to have a show called Who's, uh, Who's Talking to Chris Wallace, uh, an interview show that starts on Tuesday. Here's another quote from the interview in the New York Times. He says, there has not been a moment where I have second-guessed myself about the decision to leave Fox. So he doesn't have any regrets, any hesitation about doing the right thing. I, I think what's so striking is that Wallace is saying something a lot of our sources at Fox have said, which is that the place really changed after Election Day 2020. Yes, it was already conservative, but it went into a rabbit hole area that was hard to recover from. Yeah, as he says, there's a difference between opinion and then questioning reality. And what we've seen from... Of course. All right, next. We're just seven months away from the midterm elections. According to multiple polls, Republicans are now poised to take back the House, hopefully the Senate also, which will be a little harder. But as I've said many times, I take nothing for granted when it comes to elections. The only way to send a message to Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and Kamala Harris and the uh, religious climate alarmist cult and the new Green Deal Socialist Democrats is to vote. Everyone in America, you will all play a key role. It's all hands on deck. We're all spokes in a wheel on Election Day. And by the way, uh, take a look. That's why it's so troubling to Nancy Pelosi. We have every intention of winning. It is absolutely essential for our democracy that we win. I fear for our democracy and the Republicans who are ever to get the gavel. We can't let that happen. Democracy. Yep, she's talking about Kevin McCarthy all the time. It's ridiculous. Listen to this. Next. All I can say. Well, I'm running with don't get Hollywood, how this thing could have happened. Still kind of processing it. It's fascinating. What happened Sunday night actually is pretty interesting. As Russia's war on Ukraine raging on, the parents of a former Marine are scheduled to protest outside the White House today, demanding action from President Biden as their son reportedly remaining jailed in a Russian prison. National correspondent Logan Raddick, he's outside the Pentagon now. He's got your details. Logan, what's happening here? Well, Sean, Trevor Reed has been in a Russian jail since August of 2019. His parents say they've, uh, he's resumed his hunger strike in a Russian prison after he uh, went to a prison hospital after being exposed to somebody with tuberculosis. And they say that he was not tested before returning back to his cell. Now, Reed's, like I said, been in jail since 2019. He was in prison while visiting his girlfriend. And also, he was in Russia to learn a foreign language as part of a degree requirement at the University of North Texas. Now, Texas Senator John Cornyn says the Biden administration must do more to get not only Reed out of Russia, but other American prisoners, including basketball star Brittany Griner. So there's been no response from the White House yet. And as this is all going on, Sean, the U.S. continues to supply aid to Ukraine. And right now, the Pentagon tells me there's no plan to slow that down. 
obviously we want to see this war end. Uh, but uh, for as long as Ukraine and the Ukrainian armed forces need assistance, the United States is going to be there to help provide it. Our allies, too, present an issue. While NATO and similar Cold War alliances were critical back then, they So there's no timetable in terms of when the U.S. would possibly cut off aid to the Ukrainians. All right, next. Good morning. Welcome back into Wake Up America. I'm Rob Finnerty. Time now for the question of the day. Who almost altered American history forever on this day 41 years ago? Think about it. A drifter named John Hinckley Jr. attempted an assassination on the president of the United States. Standing with a group of reporters, Hinckley fired six shots at Ronald Reagan outside the Washington Hilton. Three people were hit, including White House Press Secretary James Brady, who was shot in the head and critically wounded. Now, the bullet just missed Reagan's heart, and he was rushed to a local hospital. Susan Collins will be voting for T.G. Jackson. What a woke person. And listen this, to this uh, audio. The budget that was released by the president here, reportedly prioritizing climate change, as I just read, over border security. I'm going to... Sh- um, Marshall Blackburn will not be voting for her. This person. Lori Lightfoot, let's see what she has to say. All right, welcome back. According to the British military, some Russian troops are moving back into Belarus and Russia to likely reorganize and resupply as they continue to shell Ukraine. This is the Kremlin's reporting. No breakthroughs or anything promising coming out of the latest peace talks in Turkey. And we want to get you out to the ground now. Joining us with the latest is our correspondent, Michael Grimm. Uh, Michael, what's happening where you are today? in Kiev. Good afternoon. It's been a very busy day, not just in Kiev. What are the police doing today in European? How shelling is Good morning. A secret security unit to protect herself and no access to the sea so the Ukraine. All right, and you were just there a few days ago. Michael Graham, thanks for that live update in Kiev. Appreciate it. Let's focus on Chicago now and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Nearly two years ago, she created a secret security unit to protect herself and her family from an alleged stalker. The unit was known as 544. It protects City Hall and Lightfoot's home. It consists of 71 officers on top of the mayor's bodyguard detail. Just a reminder, this is the same mayor that worked to defund the police as crime soared in her city. You've heard so much about the shootings and the deaths, the murders that have taken place there. All this has been reported, as you can see, by the Chicago Sun-Times. Let's welcome in now Raymond Lopez. Moving on, I'm joined by Magindivida Dom paramedic Daniel Amzalag, who was active at the scene of the terror attack in Benebrak overnight. Daniel, thank you very much. He no longer controls our lives. That's what it means. Cases are ticking up, as we thought they might. But now, thanks to the foundation we've laid, America has the tools to protect people, all people. And, you know, as we've done from day one, my administration is making it easier than ever for Americans to access these tools. Today, I'm announcing the launch of COVID.gov, COVID.gov, excuse me, a one-stop shop where anyone in America can find what they need to navigate the virus, free vaccines, and boosters, free at home tests, high quality masks, and uh, for the latest information about the level of COVID-19 spread in your community, you can get that immediately. Now, you'll also be able to find our new test to treat.
locations, which I announced in my State of the Union address. These are pharmacies and other places in your neighborhood where you can get tested, and if you're positive, you can get life-saving treatments all in one stop. We've already stood up 2,000 test districts. It's crazy what he's saying. All right, next. Meantime, in other news, remember last week we told you a story about how a number of Disney employees walked off the job last week because they felt that Disney did not do enough to oppose a bill that passed in Florida. It's uh, HB House Bill 1557. And what that bill does, because it has been signed by uh, Governor DeSantis, is it prohibits teachers from providing instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity to children between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. So they just don't want uh, teachers talking to kindergartners, first, second, and third graders about sexual orientation or gender identity. So that we knew for sure because that was in public where they walked off the job. But now Chris Rufo, a journalist, posted on Twitter some videos that show pretty much exactly what Disney behind the scenes is thinking. Watch this. Roberts and like the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda and so like i i feel like i felt like it was i mean like maybe it was that way in the past but i guess like something must have happened in the last like like they were turning it around they're going hard and then all that like momentum that i felt like that sense of i don't have to be afraid to like Let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this, like, I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the... Sounds uh, a little weird. But... They don't listen. They're going to face consequences. Yep. Know who's going to face consequences next? This is Maxine Waters. She's talking to homeless people. Um, and she says, go home. And they instantly say, say, we don't have a home. And she says, She's gonna help, but only if you go, um get off the street. Maxine Waters, what a terrible man! All right, Dr. Fauci. On preparations for the next phase of the COVID pandemic. Now, you've probably heard some of these reports about a new Omicron subvariant. Public health officials say it's dominant among the new cases in the U.S. Dr. Anthony Fauci also resurfaced this week. He's now talking about the possibility of new restrictions. Let's get the very latest from our congressional correspondent, Kilmany Ducard, who's live on Capitol Hill watching all of this for us. Good afternoon, Kilmany. Good afternoon, Bianca. John, great to be with you. We have been monitoring this House subcommittee hearing on the new normal, adapting and preparing for the next phase of COVID-19, where we've been listening to witness testimony from Dr. Zeke Emanuel, who has been issuing guidance to the Biden administration on this. Take a listen. It's very hard to get the economy fully going until we've got this fully under control and the risks to us of covid and other respiratory illnesses 
are lower are, are at a low enough threshold that we think they're worth taking. As national trends over the last two years were to take money away from law enforcement, to blame law enforcement, to turn your back on law enforcement, that we stood strong and we would not flinch from being a law and order state, that we support the men and women in law enforcement and that we want to show that we're uh, that we're stepping up to the plate. So last year you saw municipalities around the country actually eviscerate police budgets. Uh, they would they would they would cut funding places like Seattle and Minneapolis and New York City. Uh, and the results were catastrophic. You saw huge increases in crime. And from a morale perspective, it was really damaging for the people who were putting on the uniform because they're the ones that we expect to show up when when things are tough, when there's problems, when people's lives are in jeopardy. And yet they did not have the support of the communities uh, in those places and throughout the country. And so just from a moral perspective, that is wrong. And so we said, we've got your back. And so last year, as, as those jurisdictions were doing that, uh, I was able to sign in the budget a $1,000 bonus for every single sworn law enforcement officer in the entire state. And I got it. It's great. All right. Next. Jen Psaki tested positive. I mean, Jen Psaki tested positive. Yes, she did. But we spoke that she's leaving, confirmed by MSNDC. All right, let's go on. Next. So something's going on with Joe Biden. His poll numbers are absolutely tanking, but it seems like elements within the Democratic Party are turning on him. We're not going to pretend we understand exactly what's going on here, but something definitely is. Here's this example, and you remember this very well. Just before the last election, the New York Post ran a story about the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. It was a huge story, but big tech censored it immediately. CNN and dozens of other former Intel officials told us that laptop was Russian disinformation. There are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. So you have a president who is asking to obtain Russian disinformation, knowing that that is what it is. He is accepting that same information, and he is then turning it and using it on the campaign trail against uh, his, his opponent. And that's mind-blowing. It's sort of a, a crazy quilt at this point, uh, uh, which has all the hallmarks of, of, of Russian disinformation. That said, it, it wasn't for lack of trying. CNN reported on Friday that U.S. authorities are seeing if those emails we just talked about are connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. So it turns out when they accuse people of Russian disinformation, they're not always sincere. Of course, they're liars. They'll say whatever they need to say. That was before the election. They needed to get Biden elected. They did it. But now they're telling you something very different. Now they're telling you, in fact, the laptop is real. Why are they saying that now? It's crazy. All right. Let's move on. Triconium created 431,000 jobs. Nice sound to it. We also learned that in January and February, our economy created 100,000 more jobs than we previously had thought. That means that over the last three months, the economy has created more than a half million, more than 500,000 jobs a month. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. 
More jobs created over the first 14 months of any presidency in any term ever. And that's striking. But what's even more striking is this. In March, the unemployment rate fell to 3.6%, down from 6.4% when I took office about 15 months ago. The fastest decline in unemployment to start the president's term ever recorded. In fact, there have been only three months in the last 50 years where the uh, unemployment rate in America is lower than it is now. And that means, what it means is clear, what is very clear. America are back to work. And that's good news for millions of families who have a little more breathing room and the, and the dignity that comes from earning a paycheck, just the dignity of having a job. And more and more Americans get jobs as they do. It's going to help ease the supply pressures we've seen. And that's good news for fighting inflation. It's good news for our economy, and it means that our economy has gone from being on the mend to being on the move. You know, the American people, uh, I think they, uh, they're beginning to understand that this American Rescue Plan, and there's no reason why they should know the names of all these pieces of legislation that got passed. But the American Rescue Plan, with it, we were able to get Americans vaccinated, schools opened. Why does he cough when he says, <clears throat> vaccinate? And business is humming. A leading financial firm, Moody's, estimated that because of the rescue plan, 4 million more American jobs were created, and unemployment is 2% lower than it would have been had we failed to move that legislation. Thanks to our infrastructure law, we have uh, more than 4,000 projects getting started this year, 4,000 in every single state in America, total of 4,000, and all 50 states rebuilding America. We're building a recovery worthy of American workers, strong and resilient. And we're going to be able to overcome the headwinds that it has of Delta, Omicron, and even more in Europe. Our policies are working, and we're getting results for the American people, which is what it's all about, to state the obvious. Record job creation, record unemployment declines, record wage gains. And by the way, jobs and unemployment are not just another statistic. They go directly to the core of what the economy represents, the ability for hardworking Americans to live with dignity, support their families, and build a better life for their children. People are making more money. They're finding better jobs. And after decades of being mistreated and paid too little, more and more American workers have real power now to get better wages and to do what's best for themselves and their families. Some people see that as a problem. We've had this discussion in the past. I don't. I see it as long overdue. So when you hear these numbers, they're not statistics. It's a statement of the type of economy we're fighting for. An economy, as I've been saying from the beginning, built from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down. When we do it that way, everybody does well. Everybody wins. Even though we created a record number of jobs, we know, I know, that this job is not finished. We need to do more to get prices under control. Putin's invasion of Ukraine has driven up gas prices and food prices all over the world. To help deal with that, yesterday I authorized the release of one million barrels per day for the next six months from our strategic petroleum reserve. Acknowledge this by far is the largest release of our national reserves in our history. It is a wartime bridge, is the way I look at it, to increase our oil supply as we work with our oil, U.S. oil producers to ramp up their production to get us through this period. 
I've coordinated this release with partners and allies around the world. This morning, over 30 countries from across the world convened in an extraordinary meeting and agreed to the release of tens of millions of additional barrels of oil onto the market. Hundreds of hours of meetings with key allies, keeping them together, is paying off. Nations are coming together to deny Putin the ability to weaponize his energy resources against American families, not only American families, but families in Europe and around the world. I've also made it a priority to get America's fiscal house in order. Under my predecessor, the federal budget deficit went up every single year, every year. As I committed when I was running this and I got here, we're going to turn that around. In fact, last year in 2021, we cut the federal deficit by more than $350 billion. And this year, in 2022, we're on track to cut the deficit by more than $1.3 trillion. $1.3 trillion. That would be the largest one-year reduction in a deficit in U.S. history. And it's particularly important now as we work to reduce pressures on inflation. That's what happens when you reduce the deficit. So here are the facts. It was the previous administration whose reckless policies and mismanagement led to the record budget deficits. In my administration, that's getting the deficit under control. In fact, I just released my budget this week, and it shows going forward we can cut the deficit by another $1 trillion over the next... He blames Trump for everything. Blame Trump for everything. All right. Let's go on. Nair Dewell, I'm sorry, Hunter Biden, but you are. And, you know, you made a living being a Nair Dewell who was taking money just because you were the vice president's son and you had influence. He got, I think, four point, yes, eight million dollars from Chinese energy companies to sit on the board and consult. Yeah, that was his passion in life. <laughs> energy exploration. Hooker explanation was his passion. <laughs> Okay, so the New York Post got a hold of what was in the computer. And, um, you know, because the New York Post is... Is Bill Maher MAGA? We're not sure. All right, next. Police John, riots and anarchy continue to spread across America. They were saying, you know, this is battery was the word they used in that moment. They said... Uh, we will go get him. We are prepared. We're prepared to get him right now. And Chris was, he was being very dismissive of those options. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. He was like, no, no, no. And now what's fascinating is Chris Rock has got all, all of the leverage, all the leverage in this situation. Welcome back to Wake Up America. I'm Rob Finnerty with Allison Maloney. That was Academy Awards producer Will Parker speaking on ABC about the Chris Rock assault to Will Smith at the Oscars on Sunday night. We're now hearing reports that the Academy lied about asking Will Smith to leave after that, that slap heard around the world took place. Yeah, the story keeps going here to talk about the fallout, a celebrity publicist and the host of the Naughty But Nice podcast. Now, uh, Jacinta, a lot of people have had their say about the Will Smith thing, but The Guardian and even Stan Grant tonight in the ABC is trying to pretend there's some sort of racial impact on all of this. Um, I hate to always ask you about these things, but how can I not? That's a common sense. I know you're hurting at the pump. Gas prices have hit all-time highs, and Joe Biden is refusing to allow...
allow the oil companies to produce more to ease those prices. I know, but have no fear. Joe has a solution. This solution will allow you to save up to $80 per month at the pump, and all you've got to do is buy a new electric car. Under my plan, which is before the Congress now, we can take advantage of the next generation of electric vehicles that a typical driver will save about $80 a month from not having to pay gas at the pump. Now, $80 a month is pretty good. You have to buy a new car. Sure, that's expensive, but $80 a month, that's pretty good. So if you bought, say, a Tesla Model X, it's a pretty prominent new electric car, that costs $106,190 to buy, which is expensive, but when you factor in the savings of $80 per month, then that car will actually pay for itself in 1,328 months, or roughly 111 years. So just you drive the car for 111 years, and then you're fine. Then you're good. Thank you, Joe Biden. Uh, you could get a less expensive model if you would prefer. You don't want to go all the way for the Model X. Okay, you could get a Tesla Model 3. That costs $45,190. That means that as long as you drive that car for 47 years, you will really see some, some real savings at the pump. And let's say, forget about Tesla. Look, Michael, Tesla, that's a high-end company. There's got to be a cheaper electric car. There is. There's the absolute cheapest electric car that you could go out and buy. That's the Nissan Leaf. That costs $28,425, which means you can start saving money after just 30 short years. This is great. You're fine. Stop blaming Joe Biden. Unless you want to keep your car. Unless you want to keep driving your car and not go out and buy a new car. In which case, tough luck. In the latest terror attack reported this week, a 20-year-old Israeli man viciously assaulted Thursday morning by a Palestinian using a screwdriver. This while the two were riding the bus near the settlement of Neve Daniel. The victim being rushed to Jerusalem Charet Tzedek Medical Center... This um, terror attack was in Gushetzion. In serious condition, and three other passengers reportedly being treated for anxiety. The terrorist, meanwhile, shot dead by an armed citizen who thankfully also happened to be riding on board. But this is at least the fourth terror attack in a week's time, with more expected to come during the month of Ramadan, which begins Saturday. Coincidentally, the attack occurring just before a scheduled visit to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem by far-right Israeli lawmaker Itamar Ben-Gvir. The visit expected to cause a flare-up in tensions, however, as Temple Mount is a common flashpoint area. The Temple Mount Plaza is the holiest site in Judaism, since it's a location of the first and second Jewish temples from biblical times. But today, Jewish visitation limited and Jewish prayer effectively banned as the Al-Aqsa Mosque sits atop it, under an auspices of the Jordanian Muslim Waqf authorities. Further, Palestinian authorities commonly claim that the site is under threat of Judaization. Still. Benville claiming that his visit is directly intended to send a message that, quote, Israel will not surrender to terrorists who want to murder us all. Now, meanwhile, ahead of Ramadan, in the wake of recent terror attacks, the IDF increasing its activities. For one, soldiers already seen conducting a rare daytime arrest raid in Jenin, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader Ziad al-Nakhale now calling on members of the group's armed wing to be on high alert. This, as three Palestinian militants said killed during the raids, when a firefight breaking out during the arrests, one Israeli soldier lightly hurt and evacuated to the hospital. Attack in Bnebrak Tuesday night, the third terror attack in Israel in a week. 
According to reports, the terrorist identified as a 26-year-old Palestinian from the Northern Palestinian Authority who was working illegally at a Bnei Brak construction site. And as with the previous two attacks this week, he had served six months in prison, having been previously convicted of terror ties and illegal weapon sales. So all these terror attacks, nothing is getting done. Nothing. What does um, Naftali Bennett say? Let's play. Um, Hang on. Bennett says that we need to be careful. There's going to be more terrorist attacks. I'm trying to find the thing. Where exactly we have yet? But I know for sure he says something. All right, let's move on. Naftali Bennett. All right, let's move on. Um, let's Brutal response to anti-lockdown protests. Yes, please, forget all that. And remember, they are on our side. After two years of overreach and selective policing, the Vicpol hierarchy want to rebuild their brand. Police are promising more of this and this in a brand rebuilding exercise. We're approachable, we're involved, we're working with them and we're here to help. They're also hoping to repair a brand damaged by two years of unpopular COVID policing. We know we've um, had to perform duties and engage with people and it might not have been what they would have expected in the first instance because of the COVID environment we're in. 
No, Commissioner, you didn't have to do any of the insanely illiberal and often downright brutal enforcement that you and your members of your command enthusiastically embrace. You didn't have to allow the police force to become politicised. You didn't have to stand with bureaucrats banning children from playgrounds. You know, want to build trust with the Victorian public? I can't imagine why. Excuse me, what, what on earth? Just put your phone down. Can you, General like, record this? I'm in my pyjamas. What's I this? I an ultrasound in an hour. Yeah, pregnant. she's pregnant. Hey, what the f***? You're That's in a hospital. Meanwhile... Katie Allen, the Republican movement, has finalised this, oh, proposal, I guess they call it, for constitutional changes leading to a republic, we'll be choosing, as we knew in January, from up to 11 presidential candidates to the model in Ireland. Are you in with this convoluted republican exercise? Look, um, the question is, will we become a republic? I think so, sometime in the future, not necessarily now. I actually don't... Um... I think that Australia will become conservative. Now that they had COVID, everyone had COVID restrictions over there, it's kind of crazy over there. All right. Parts of eastern Victoria are on high alert for severe weather, including potential flash flooding. East Gippsland could receive up to 150 millimetres of rain as a low-pressure system nears. Damaging winds peaking at 100 kilometres an hour have also been forecast. Actress Estelle Harris has died in her Palm Desert home in California just days short of her 94th birthday, despite acting for more than 45 years. Meanwhile, let's do our Donald Trump rally. Here we go. Together we're standing up against some of the most sinister forces, entrenched interests and vicious opponents our people have ever seen or our country has ever seen. Despite all you are hearing and seeing of China and Russia and Iran and others, our biggest danger is not from outside coming in. Our biggest danger is from the sick and radical politicians that are knowingly or unknowingly wanting to destroy our country. It's the biggest danger. It's a bigger danger than Russia and China. But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt radicals may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you, the people that... That's great. Man, do you miss him? I miss him. Next. Yeah, and this is the first indoor rally they've had since COVID, so it's really exciting. A lot of people are completely jazzed up. The energy in this room is pretty intense as it is. It's great. It sounds like a great rally. I'm going to watch it later. I didn't watch it yet. But, meanwhile, listen to this. Time the presidential primary race reaches New Jersey, July 7th in 2020, the race is usually already over. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way we expected it would always be. That is, until the National Democrats decided that, gee, our first two primaries didn't exactly meet our party's diversity aspirations. Well, because the Democratic National... 
Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black boy who was killed by lynching in Mississippi in 1955. He was one of thousands of black people terrorized by lynchings in the U.S. But it took a federal anti-lynching act to be signed into law. The bill makes lynching a federal hate crime and allows any conspiracy of a hate crime that leads to death or serious bodily injury to be tried as a lynching, bringing with it 30 years. Have to present some sort of you can register and vote on the same day in 20 states in Washington, D.C. So why is it such a political third rail in New Jersey? At first glance, same-day voter registration looks like a simple way to help folks who, for example, show up to cast a ballot and find their names not on the list. I hear every single year, you know, um, I've been voting at this polling location my entire life. I am not on the rolls. What happened? League of Women Voters exec Jesse Burns says allowing same-day voter registration could also help residents who... It also helps people by same-day voting, same-day registration is not a good idea because um messes up systems. May not be in the system, may not be in... It can kill the system. Meanwhile, next. We're following some breaking news out of New Jersey today. Governor Murphy says that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Murphy says that he took a rapid and a PCR test today, and both results were positive. The governor says that he is asymptomatic and feeling... Also, Bennett and Blinken, we spoke about them last week. They tested positive. All right, next. In the wake of last week's deadly string of terror attacks, leaving 11 dead and several more wounded, Israeli security forces dramatically increasing efforts to arrest suspects and keep the peace across the state. For one, on Saturday, three members of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror group killed during an arrest raid turned shootout near Jenin in Judea and Samaria. An M16 automatic rifle and ammunition seized in the aftermath, and a fourth suspected member of the cell arrested hours later near Tulkarim. All this apparently just moments before the group was set to head for Israel to commit a planned shooting attack. One of the cell members, who had fired over 50 bullets at patrolling Israeli soldiers earlier in the week, even bragging during a rally on Friday that, quote, soon you'll hear of me, I'm going to do something very big in Israel. <laughs> The arrest not without Israeli casualties, though. Four members of the Israeli security forces being wounded in the resulting shootout as well, one of whom now in stable but serious condition. Meanwhile, in related news, Israeli troops killing a Hamas terror group member in Hebron the day before. This in response to the suspect initiating clashes with the troops by throwing a firebomb at them after mosque prayers. Thankfully, however, no Israeli forces reportedly injured during these clashes, and grenades and bullet magazines recovered from the suspect's possession. Prime Minister Bennett outlining over the weekend the details from the latest bolstering of security measures, including shoring up the border and preventing illegal entry, even by Palestinians who work within Israel but want to avoid the checkpoints to save time in their daily commutes. 
especially after the Bnei Brak shooter who killed five last week, himself identified as a construction worker in Israel who crossed illegally into the country before his attack. It's crazy what's going on over there. It's crazy. All right, next. Winning all over. Do I hear somebody over there? You know, you have one guy over there shouting. We have thousands of people, and you'll read about him tomorrow. They'll say, "Oh, the 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 room had a, a picket." All right, yeah, get him the hell out of here, will you? Please? Get him out of here. All right, next, who should we get out? Mayor Adams. Listen to this. Mayor Adams first started the process of removing homeless from subways, and now the city has just launched an effort to clear homeless encampments. The mayor says there are about 180 of these in the city, and he wants them dismantled while promising to get help for those living there. Well, this afternoon, the mayor opened a safe haven in the Bronx. I would use reporter Kimberly Richardson is there tonight with our lead story. Kim. Well, Liz, this safe haven is now officially open. The staff hopes to fill some, if not all, 80 beds tonight. Many who eventually end up here were staying in those encampments under what the mayor calls inhumane conditions. <laughs> one simple action many hope will open new doors for one of the city's most vulnerable populations. This afternoon, Mayor Eric Adams was there as a new safe haven opened here in the Mott Haven section of the Bronx. Soon, 80 men will call this home. People are not going to live under an undignified environment in the city where I'm the mayor. We will do better and we have to do better inside there's a health center lounge each bed has its own locker those who end up in this type of setting typically resist going to traditional shelters many like this man feel they aren't safe you got people trying to claim stuff and people like yo you can't walk through here like oh you serious like we're not in jail bro he instead stayed here under the BQE in Williamsburg. But Monday, that all changed. Police and sanitation cleared the area. Phase one of the mayor's plan to break up roughly 180 homeless encampments around the city. Teams plan to actually show those staying at these sites brochures with pictures of what safe havens look like. 350 beds are now operational across the city. The goal? 500. You don't lose your bed if you're late. There's no curfew. So if you come back at midnight, your bed will be there. While the Coalition for the Homeless applauds the creation of new safe havens, it says the mayor's strategy of breaking up encampments is harmful. For now, there is a sense of optimism here. The end goal? Finding folks permanent housing. With somebody who gets stabilized psychiatrically, that's a win. That's not housing yet, but it's a step towards that. And clients staying here will have access to a variety of services and can stay as long as it takes. To what about the, um, what about helping them and the crime? Jeez, oh, jeez. All right. It's, we got to go because it's late. All right. We thank everyone for tuning in. Um, please pray for Israel and Ukraine. Um, 
as a war is going on literally right now. Um, thank you for tuning in. God bless everyone, as my grandfather would say. It's all for the best. God is watching us, and we need to continue praying. I love you, Grandpa. Have a good one.